Hey guys, it's Simi, and this is Brussling Unlimited, as it's Sunday, June 25th, 2023, and tonight was Forbidden Door. Now, I'm going to preface this right off the bat. There was a fire in my backyard last night. I could show you guys the video of it, and it messed up the internet power lines. We got our internet back, but I have noticed some hiccups with it as far as throughout the day so if there is any chugging or if there is any lagging or anything with this live stream i do apologize i don't know how good they got the internet fixed because we didn't have internet for like 12 hours i mean i could show you guys the video let's pull it up on twitter uh let's go here and pull it up really fast it's really happened like an hour after I did my collision review last night. Um, let's go here. Like for the most part, my internet's been good, but I have noticed a few hiccups throughout the day. But here is, I'll play this right here. It's like a 20 second clip. Um, why is it not wanting to show? Come on. There we go. So this was in my backyard last night. And as you see up at the top up here, that's the telephone and cable wires burning. This is the back fence of our house, of our backyard. We think maybe the fire got started by some homeless that are always hanging out back there. But yeah, if my internet's not perfect tonight and there is some chugging or lagging or whatever, that's probably why, and I do apologize. But we're all safe. We're all good. We just got to fix the fence now because we had, there was like plastic all over us so no one can see into our backyard. Now there's a big old gaping area where they can see in, and we got to cover that up. Other than that, all good. There's actually three fires in my little neighborhood area in, the, in less than 24 hours. There was one in our backyard. Then literally two minutes around the corner, someone lit a truck on fire. And then today... I was coming back from the store and noticed that the hill on the side of the freeway was on fire. Well, I caught it. It had been on fire. I caught it right as the fire truck was leaving um, from putting it out. So, yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy last 24 hours for me. But with that, we're here to talk about AEW Cross in JPW Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door was a really good show. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And, yeah. We got a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, we didn't get Adam Cole versus Filthy Tom Lawler. And I haven't seen any news as what this illness is for Adam Cole. And I put that in quotes because sometimes they use the word illness to cover something else up. And I don't think it's a cover-up. I think it is a real illness. But I'm trying to see if anybody's Posted anything about it, and I don't see, well, anything, at least not right now. Uh, some news notes that came from Fightful, they said that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and CM Punk were put on completely different sides of the building for Forbidden Door, we're told. So basically, the Elite was put on one side of the building, CM Punk, the complete opposite side of the building, which is pretty funny, which is pretty, pretty funny. 
Uh, Thunder Rosa was at the show, they state. Uh, they also noted that Tony Storm had her nose busted open during her match last night. Osprey and Omega's spots were both blade jobs. Uh, before the broadcast, Christian came out with Luchasaurus to heal up the crowd. Britt Baker traveled into town uh, last night, but hasn't been announced for the show and wasn't on the show. Uh, let me see if there's any other. Um, they also said they're, they were told. Uh, so this was, I think, before Tony even made the announcement. But he says, we're told there's been concern for Adam Cole as he was banged up after his match with MJF. But he's still expected to appear on TV. He's actually out of tonight with an illness. So the illness thing, I think, is legit. But he's also banged up. Probably that god dang pile driver on the apron. But those are some... Little news notes from uh, Forbidden Door tonight, and we'll probably get even more overnight. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Remember, if you are watching live, you can also help us out by going over to YouTube and become a channel member. Hit that join button down there. But back on, on Twitch, I don't know why I skipped all this. You can subscribe to the channel one of two different ways. You can subscribe with a tier one subscription, just like Esports Gaming Rules 316 recently did. Or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and it always gives you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I greatly appreciate it if you did right here, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. One second. Also remember to head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League Fortnite Fall Guys, well, use our code right here, PWUNLIMITED at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code PWUNLIMITED if you're trying to, well, get Dead Island 2. Claim the free games, Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, The Hunter, Call of the Wild, or getting in to that new season of Fortnite to get Optimus Prime or even Optimus Primal. Again, use our code for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. But with that, we got a show to talk about. Now, I didn't see all of the Zero Hour. I'm going to say that right now. I missed stuff. I saw bits and pieces and whatnot. So I did not see all of the zero hour, but I did like keep up with it and whatnot. I just wasn't paying attention because I had other things I had to complete. I did a photo shoot yesterday and I had to get those edited. Well, yeah, yesterday and I had to get those photos edited. So I was kind of busy with that. So I didn't really see the, the zero hour. So I don't have really any notes on that. We do know the Schwarb Strickland, Brian Cage and the Gates of Agony, the, um, Mogul Embassy did defeat Rocky Romero, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and El Desperado. This was a slight change. I want to say Brian Cage was added to the match, and Chuck Taylor was added to the match as well, like kind of last minute. We also do know in an opening round match for the Owen Hart Cup Tournament, ROH Women's Champion Athena defeated Billy Starks. Now, this match I did catch most of, so I do have notes here. Caliber mentioned Athena's 47-match winning streak. 
as Starks got a fast start with a thrust kick and a neckbreaker over the knee. Athena answered with a kip up, head scissors into the corner, and trash talked the crowd. A snap suplex into a face, uh, front face slam kept Athena in control as Starks was punted in the ribs and struggled getting up. Athena took her time climbing the ropes and ate a thrust kick in midair, leading to Starks' Death Valley bomb. Got a two off of it. Starks went up to the top herself, but was crotched as um, the two ladies slugged it out on the top rope until Athena hit a Hurricane Rana and a pop-up powerbomb. Both ladies traded drop kicks, and Starks went for a swanton, but Athena baited her, rolling her to the apron. Starks went for a dive, but Athena moved, causing Starks to crash and burn. Athena then basically ran at her while she was sitting up against the announce desk and kneed her right in the face. She then rolled her into the ring, hit her with the slam pile driver, and pinned her to pick up the victory. Now, here's my thing. When she rolled Billy back into the ring, Billy, like, tried to get up, and she seemed like she was on wobbly legs, and she kind of was moving a little weird, and even the way she took the finish didn't look right, so hopefully she's okay, or maybe she was just really good at selling all that, but, yeah. Athena moves on to the next round of the Women's Owen Hart Cup Tournament and will face... Um, I think it's... Let me pull up those brackets really fast. I think I know who it is, but I don't want to say it and be wrong. She will be facing Willow Nightingale. So it's going to be Athena versus Willow coming up. She's going to be coming up pretty soon because this tournament's only a couple weeks long. We then had El Fantasmo versus Stu Grayson. I caught bits and pieces of this match, but didn't get any notes. El Fantasmo did pick up the victory, and they pushed big how he's going to be in his second G1 climax, and maybe even better than he do better than he did last year, as he's a changed man. They said. As we move forward, we also had uh, Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Bushi. They defeated the well, that Lij defeated the um, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word I'm looking for? United Empire. Kyle Fletcher, Jeff Cobb, and TJP was Shingo hitting the Made in Japan on TJP to pick up the victory. And I can tell you right now, Nick Armstrong, very happy about that. He is not a TJP fan. So anytime he sees TJP's downfall, he's happy. Anytime Nick sees TJP take the L, he's good with it. As we move on to the main card, Excalibur welcomes us alongside Taz and Kevin Kelly. So basically, the announced team here was Excalibur and Kevin Kelly, with Taz and Shivani switching in and out. The opening match was for the AEW World Championship. It was MJF against Hiroshi Tanahashi. And boy, do f- these fans in Toronto love Tanahashi. They loved this man. After mocking Tanahashi's air guitar, MJF baited Tanahashi and took over, and chants of the crowd, a chance of coward from the crowd rained out. With Tanahashi conducting the fans, MJF came back and wanted a handshake, but Tanahashi didn't fall for it, slapping MJF silly. MJF shielded himself by referee Bryce Remsburg and took control, draping Tanahashi over the top rope. There were dueling chants from the crowd as Tanahashi rolled through a knee lift into a roll-up, but he charged again. MJF slapped on an abdominal, stre- abdominal stretch with the occasional hand on the top rope. MJF finally got caught. Trash talk Bryce Remsburg, who kicked the hand free to allow Tanahashi to build some momentum. After hitting a somersault senton, Tanahashi eventually hit a flying crossbody as MJF tried a float over in the corner, but 
He was thrown off the top and follows up. It was followed up by a sling blade. Tanahashi again took too long trying to get to his feet. This allowed MJF to crotch him and followed up with a superplex. MJF wanted to go for the heat seeker, but Tanahashi fought out, landing right on top of a knee. MJF then hit a double arm underhook uh, shoulder breaker, but did it on the bad knee, hurting himself in the process. MJF spat on the trash, uh, trash talk, spat on and trash talked Tanahashi, who fired up, only to be cut off with a poke to the eye. MJF opted to do a flip off the crowd and turned it into a dragon screw and Tanahashi to a dragon screw and Tanahashi cloverleaf. MJF got to the ropes to break it as Tanahashi responded with a twist and shout and a sling blade before going to the top for a high fly flow. But MJF got his knees up. MJF rolled to the floor and wanted to use the triple B, but was caught by referee Bryce Remsburg, who took damn near forever to get rid of the belt. Tanahashi had a visible pin on MJF, and before MJF sent Tanahashi into the ref and had a cheap shot with a dynamite ring, he stole the pin. Thought the match as a whole was good, but did not like the last three minutes of this match. Did not like the whole, I got the belt. Hey, ref, take the belt from me. And then the ref taking way too long and all this bullshit. Like, no, no, no. Like, you didn't hear, Bryce didn't hear the crowd going, one, two, three, four. Like, really? Why are they counting? Let me look around. No. No. And I want to know. Was Bryce Rensburg, I don't think you know, was Paul Turner. I was going to say, was he the same referee in the Omega match? Because don't get me started on that bullshit we'll talk about later. But MJF wins. And then not too long after this, MJF goes on Twitter with a video saying, all right, I beat your indie wrestler. Now I'm going home. And he had a, on his robe, on the back of his robe, it said, New Japan is an indie. As we move forward, we had the first match in the Men's Owen Hart Cup Tournament. It was CM Punk against Satoshi Kojima. And boy, was Punk a heel in this match. And boy, does Toronto hate CM Punk. Like, hate CM Punk. Similar to the last line of collision, Punk had some fans, but mostly it was booze in the building. Like, they wanted him gone. After an early exchange, Kojima fired off some shots in the corner to annoy Punk who charged and ate a hip toss to allow Kojima to flex the crowd. Punk fought back and mocked Kojima, sending him to the outside, where both men traded chops. Punk was sent over the ring attendance table and nearly took out the ring announcer, Dasha, Dasha Gonzalez, I think she goes by now, in the process. Let's call, Dasha. Let's call her Dasha. Back inside the ring, a charging Kojima was caught by a leg lariat as Punk did his Hogan, hands to the, Hogan hand to the ear and the Hulkster leg drop to really get the crowd to boo him. Punk hit 10 corner punches and very slowly picked Kojima apart. He was in the corner yelling, Lariat! Lariat! Kojima! Kojima! And then he looks right in the, in the camera and like, yeah! Or something like that. But yeah. Really healing it up. Eventually, uh, Kojima did reverse this. He hit some 10s on chops. Some machine gun chops. And it caused Punk to crumble. Kojima absolutely crunched Punk with an elbow drop off the top. And Taz said, it, it's, it's, it's like, he's like, yeah, it's the Yambang City. Which the replay showed. Punk then blocked the Koji cutter. Hit his corner knee strike and a top rope elbow. Which took forever for Punk to actually jump off and hit. Punk slapped on an Anaconda device. But the strikes to the head got Kojima free. 
There's more tens on chops by Punk, who tried to go for a, a GTS, but Kojima escaped into tens on chops of his own, leading to a Koji Cutter. Punk countered the home run Larry into a neck breaker. He tried for a GTS again, but Kojima countered into a brain buster. Kojima missed the Lariat once more, and Punk hit a high kick and a GTS to get the three. Punk wins, and post-match, Punk did help Kojima up and showed him respect. So there we go. I thought this was a really good match. This match was fun. This match was great. Punk played the heel very well in this match, as we know he can do. And yeah, Toronto hates Punk. Toronto hates CM Punk. So as we move forward, it was Orange Cassidy defending the AEW International Championship against the ROH Pure Champion Katsuyori Shibata, the NJPW TV Champion Zack Sabre Jr., and Daniel Garcia, the man that doesn't have a belt. Now, they did let us know that with Orange Cassidy winning here, that is 25 successful title defenses of the international championship, now tying the record in AEW, once held by Jade Cargill. Jade still technically holds it. She's going to lose that that record to Orange Cassidy here soon because he's going to get 26 and more. After trying his little kicks on everyone, each challenger played hot potato with Cassidy's leg. Sabre and Shibata found themselves sent to the outside, and Cassidy hit a dive. Back inside the ring, everyone took turns trying submissions on the champ, White well, while tag partners on Wednesday, Garcia and Sabre, were about to fight when Cervata decided to take them both on. Garcia was almost like the kid brother being shoved away until the, he opted to dance with them, resulting in Sabre and Cervata beating him down. All four men then clocked each other with a series of big boots, resulting in a four-way big boot into the quadruplex. Into a, like a, you know, if we do a double down, we got a four down, or whatever you want to call it. Quadruple down. They were doing... Cobra twist by Sabre and Shibata, who opted to slap each other instead of holding on as Garcia and Cassidy got double sleepers. Everyone took turns with suplexes until Cassidy hit a stun dog millionaire and a spinning DDT for a two on Garcia. Sabre then wrenched at Cassidy's wrist, but was thrown into the ring post as back inside, Garcia clocked Shibata with one of his title belts as it's legal in a four-way, no DQ. Shibata started no-selling forearms and start. Uh, and went after Garcia with one of his own and a stalling dropkick. Cassidy and Shibata faced off and replayed their spot back from their match in Atlantic City last year, both sitting down and trading slaps. Shibata went for the home run shot, but Cassidy faked his hands in his pockets and hit the orange punch. The bad hand didn't put much behind it, though, and Shibata flew at him with a strike. Cassidy hit a desperation beach break, but Sabre jumped into a stomp on the wrist. Sabre then countered a, moose tra- a mouse trap and a stun dog, but as Sabre went for the submission, Shibata locked in a rear naked choke. Garcia distracted long enough to get booted outside, and Sabre to get the European clutch for a close two, which Garcia did break up. Garcia then planted Sabre with a pile driver, but Shibata answered with a PK. Cassidy appeared, sent Shibata to the floor, and got a crucifix pin on Garcia to pick up the victory and retain the international championship. So there we go. Orange Cassidy is still... AEW International Champion. Post-match, Sabre and Shibata both grabbed their titles and stood with Cassidy holding his. While Sabre saying they ain't done yet, Sabre left and Shibata shook Cassidy's hand. There we go. I like this match. I thought this was fun. I thought this was good. And I'm glad that, you know, I thought maybe 
it would focus more on the champions than Garcia, but I think Garcia got just as much focus. So it's not like he got overshadowed by, oh, we got to make sure the three champions look good opposed to him. No, they all look good. They all look good. So then we had the IWGP Heavyweight Championship on the line. Sonata defended against Jungle Boy. Now, I thought the match was good. I thought it started good. The middle was good. It was all going good. And then the end just came. It just was over. It was just done. And that was kind of weird. But the crowd showed referee or Red Shoes some respect before the match even began. Uh, Jack Perry got a quick takedown and a snare trap, but Sonata got to the ropes to break the hold. Uh, the announcers let us know that this match is not like the other matches we've seen tonight because this match is contested under IWGP rules. It is a New Japan match, not technically an AEW match. Sonata tried regrouping outside, but Perry hit her to a tope. Back inside, both men tried the Paradise Lock, with Sonata obviously the one to lock it in to a huge ovation. Once free, Perry tried a strike exchange, but crumbled off of a vicious chop. Perry leveled Sonata with a lariat and a tiger driver for a two, but Sonata responded with a neckbreaker into a double down. Both men traded strikes again, with Perry trying a crucifix. Sonata got a fireman's carry, which Perry countered into a skull end. Sonata then got to the ropes and broke it. Broke the hole, that is. And then he caught a charging parry with a TKO for a two. Sonata missed his moonsault, but landed on his feet. Briefly got the skull end, but Perry hit a poison Rana. Perry tried for a home run shot, but Sonata ducked and got the swinging skull end. Sonata spiked Perry with the poison Rana of his own, followed by a shining wizard for a near fall. Sonata would then connect with his moonsault and got the three, the, got the three count, which the fans certainly weren't expecting at the moment. So their reaction was flat. Post-match, Hook helped Perry with the... Oh, yeah. See, even my notes confused me as far as the match just ended. So I'm going to read it again. Sonata connected with his moonsault and then just got the pin. That was it. Just got the pin. So then, Sonata leaves. They kind of show Hook and Jungle Boy leaving the ring. Then they cut to other things. And they do some other stuff. And all of a sudden, they cut back to Hook and Jungle Boy at the top of the ramp. And so they're at the top of the ramp, and Jungle Boy is, like, deflated. He's not happy. He's, like, down on his knees, and Hook's trying to just be like, hey, you tried hard, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So they stood up, and Hook raises Jungle Boy's hand when Jungle Boy clotheslines Hook and takes him down, knocks him out. Oh, man, we got that Jungle Boy heel turn. Taz is on commentary, pretty furious here, but at the same time, trying not to make things personal, trying to be a biased announcer. So, when Hook went down, he threw the FTW belt behind him. So, as Jungle Boy was leaving, Jack picks up the FTW title, kind of looks at it like I want it, and throws it to Hook. Now, here's my problem with this. Everyone knows that the FTW title really means nothing. The FTW title is a joke belt. And we've had the whole thing of Jungle Boy says he's going to win a singles title in 2023. So I assume the TNT title, the international championship, God forbid, maybe, but probably not the world championship. Never once thought the FTW belt, because why would they push so hard? I'm going to win a, a singles title. 
just for it to be the FTW title. Like, are you freaking kidding me? He's going to win the FTW belt from Hook and be like, look, I won a singles title in 2023 like I said I would. And I bet you no one's going to care about that. Not even just because he's turned heel, but because the FTW title is a joke. The FTW title means nothing. The FTW title is ridiculous. So I don't like this. I like the Jungle Boy heel turn. Now, don't get me wrong there. I like the Jungle Boy heel turn. But I don't like the fact that that title he's going to win is the FTW belt. After the whole, I'm going to, if I vow to win a world title in 2023, or win a title, a singles title in 2023, and then it just be the god dang FTW belt. So then he leaves. Hook is still lying on the floor, and they cut to commentary where Taz is like, you know, no, because the crowd's chanting, you effed up, you effed up, you effed up. And Taz is like, this crowd's right. What they were chanting at Jungle Boy, he's right. Hook, he's a grown man. He can take care of himself. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's going to do. It's not really my area. I got to let him be and do his due, but I know Jack's going to get Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, he's going to get his due. He's going to get his back for what he just did to Hook. Like, I loved the way Taz played this off of, I'm the concerned father, but I know my son is a wrestler, and I can't do this for him. He's going to have to fight his own battle now. He's going to have to go out there and either get his revenge or figure out why Jungle Boy did this. And Jungle Boy is going to get his ass beat by my boy. That's how Taz played this off, and I loved the way Taz played this off. I thought Taz was fantastic. Because you can tell he was conflicted in wanting to be personal here, but wanting to be professional all at the same time. As we move forward, we had a uh, 10-man tag team match. This match was great. This match was so fun, to no surprise. Hard-hitting, high-impact. Oh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Moxley didn't bleed! A match where Moxley didn't bleed. Tony Shivani joined commentary for this match in place of Taz, who kind of stormed to the back between matches following what happened to the hook. Right at the bell, Claudio baited or bailed from Eddie Kingston, so Umino and Page had a fast opening. They made reference to last year's Forbidden Door being Claudio's debut in All Elite Wrestling. Ishii and Takeshita jumped in and had an, uh, an extended arm forearm battle and traded a series of shoulder blocks that neither sold until neither sold until both men finally collapsed to a big ovation. The Bucks unleashed fast offense on everyone until it was Kingston and Moxley standing face to face to loud chants from the crowd, like loud Eddie chants, like Eddie, 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 not Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Kingston. Moxley threw the first forearm as Kingston lowered the straps. And there was a chop battle ensued. The exchange continued when everyone else kind of started brawling on the outside, including a massive moonsault to the floor by Hangman. Claudio finally got a cheap shot on Kingston to end the chop war with Yuta picking up the pieces. Moxley had an open, open cheap shot on Kingston, but kind of stared at him as it was Claudio who followed through with the boot. So remember, there's the friendship. There's the history between Eddie Kingston and Moxley. Moxley showed some restraint and not fully wanting to just beat on Yeti. So that's that's very interesting storytelling right there that I thoroughly loved. 
Kester locked Kingston in a camel clutch at one point, and Ishii tried to break it up. At this point, I get a message from Nick, and I'm going to read that for you, who says, um, hold on, let me pull it up on Twitter. He sent me a DM. Mm. Nick said, Dude, Keshta looks so fucking good. He's going to carry AEW. And I agree. The Keshta looked phenomenal tonight. Keshta looked like the next big star. The Keshta looked like somebody that I would not be opposed of one day, if not one day soon, being an AEW world champion. World champion. Um, Kingston was isolated until he blocked the Claudio boot, hit a lariat, and was about to make the tag when Moxley stood in front of him. The chop, uh, the chop battle continued before both collided with lariats. Ishii recovered and ran wild, countering a Claudio suplex into his signature brainbuster. Takeshi then jumped in with a haluva kick. Umino hit a pop-up knee, and Ishii sent Moxley into Umino and planted him with a back suplex into a double down. Page Takeshita collided when Takeshita went for a Takeshita line and was caught with a roaring elbow. Page cleaned house outside the ring and sent Takeshita into an awaiting arm of the Bucks before hitting a running shooting star press off the apron. Page hit an awkward-looking top rope clothesline back inside on Takeshita and got a two off of it. Takeshita escaped a deadeye but ate a triple kick by hitting by uh, the hung Bucks as Matt and Nick missed BTE triggers and kind of clunked their knees. Takeshita hit double German suplex on the Bucks, who recovered, recovered long enough for a superkick party. Moxley was about to hit when Kingston took the bullet for his friend as Matt was planted by Takeshita. It was a blue thunderbomb for a two. Takeshita crunched Matt in the Cazadora suplex before Moxley and Umino hit a heart attack. The giant swing by Claudio was there as Yuta hit the dropkick mid-move as a nod to the Tyson Kidd version of the giant swing. Claudio and Yuta then went for the rocket launcher, but Nick got just enough of Yuta in midair to stop the move. Ishii made the tag and hit Yuta with a massive superplex, as Kingston and Ishii sandwiched Yuta with lariats. Everyone started wiping each other out with high-impact moves, ending in Claudio eating a spinning back fist from Eddie Kingston, who turned it into a Moxley cutter. Yuta then avoided a buckshot from Paige, but was turned inside out by an Ishii lariat. Sheer then uh, Sheer dropped... Brain bust. Wait, what did I write here? I wrote that wrong. Uh, hold on. I wrote the ending of this match way wrong. Oh, um, there's a brain bust that connected for Ishii, who got the pin on Yuta. There we go. So, in Double or Nothing, they gave Yuta the big pin where he got the win. Tonight, Yuta takes the pin. So yeah, this was a great match, and I really enjoyed the Moxley-Eddie stuff. The Moxley-Kingston dynamic of, hey, we're friends. Maybe I don't want to hurt you. Maybe I don't even want to see you get hurt. Take the boat for you. I'm going to this and that. And so I'm very interested to see where this goes with Moxley and Kingston. Because I think those two, I mean, as we've seen before, can tell phenomenal stories together. They're awesome together when they work together, whether that's on the mic, in the ring, or doing whatever. So we had Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale for the AEW Women's Championship. And to be honest, all this did was feel like a random woman's match on a dynamite 
or a collision per se. Didn't really have that pay-per-view feel to it. And yeah. I mean, it was fine. But I, just like in the other world title matches, no one expected Willow to win. So no one really ever got behind her. And so it made her, like, the crowd loved Willow, but not in a way where they thought she could win at any point. So it made her feel like a weak challenger. Also, I wasn't a fan of Willow losing here after just winning in the Owen Hart Cup tournament last night. I don't think if you got someone going into the second round, they should be losing and then going into that second round match with no momentum at all. You want to win your first round match and go straight into the next round with momentum of winning your first round match, not negative momentum of losing a match the next night, if that makes sense. So after an early powder, Storm tried a sneak attack, but Nightingale hit a shotgun dropkick to send Storm outside where Soho and Soraya uh, ran distraction. Nightingale was having none of it and sent both women into each other. This led to Storm flying in with a hip attack. Soraya and Soho got in their cheap shots as Storm took control back inside with a snap suplex. Willow fought out of a full Nelson into a spinning slam to create some distance to recover. While on the apron, Storm tried her pile driver, but Nightingale, Nightingale countered into a DVD on the, well, hardest part of the ring. Back inside the ring, Nightingale hit a running DVD as she went for a moonsault. The referee saw the outcast throw Storm a spray can. He tossed both ladies, but Nightingale ultimately missed a moonsault press. There was a snap DDT, sweet cheek music, and another DDT that connected from Storm, but Nightingale did kick out. Nightingale started hulking up and dropped Storm with Spinebuster before locking on a figure four. Storm did escape, wanted the sweet cheek music again, but Nightingale pounced her to the floor. Back, in, back inside the ring, Nightingale hit a series of corner lariats, but Storm pulled the ref in front of her at one point. Storm then got an eye rake, hit the Storm Zero, and picked up the victory with nefarious ways. So there we go. More cheating to pick up the win. Then, we had an absolute phenomenal banger. Well, until last about five, six, seven minutes. Because, how are you, how are you going to kick out Don Callis? Say, you're out of here. Or else he gets DQ'd. It doesn't help him. Da, 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 da. For Don to just come back later in the match, get involved physically, and not even be reprimanded. No, nothing, nada. He literally grabs the referee at one point, grabs Will Ospreay to stop Omega from doing a V trigger. He is putting his hands on somebody in this match to make somebody else not be able to do what they're trying to do. And the ref's just looking at him. Hey, you can't do that. Don't do that. Stop. And that's not how Paul Turner talks, but still. It just baffles me how they can have this fantastic, phenomenal match and fuck it all up. Yeah, I said it. Because that's what happened, in my opinion. I could see some people saying, no, that's great storytelling. The Don and Kenny story has evolved. It is now blown into this feud. No, no, no. That was bull. I hated the finish to this match. It was horrible. It was 
awful. It was crap. I was going to say it. It was crap. Now, granted, yeah, we're most likely getting a third match because Will Ospreay won. But still, is this the way we wanted to see him win? Is this the way we wanted to see how it goes into a match three? That Will only won because Don helped him? No, we wanted to see two men get the best of each other. Kenny the first time, Osprey the second time, decisive victories going into that third match to see who the better man is. Because right now, it's not Osprey. If Osprey's got to cheat to beat Kenny, then he's not the better man, and he doesn't deserve to prove himself. He doesn't even deserve to have the belt. I know this is all storyline, and I'm getting way too out of it, and you're, you're going to say, calm down. It's, it's, it's like, it's not real. Don't worry about it. No, because we are led to believe in the realisticness of this. We are to get ourselves lost in the story, just like when you watch Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, the Avengers. You cry when Tony Stark kills himself for the greater good. You get elated when your hero wins the battle. Not when some bald-ass goddamn guy that used to have a gem in the middle of his head comes down and screws it all up. No. I was not the fan of this booking at all as far as the finish of the match does go. The video is shown about unrest and violence in the streets of Canada. Will Ospreay is watching a wall of TVs of his match against Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom in the, rest, in the um, Tokyo Dome. Then makes his entrance with Don Callis and two big old security guys. Don't know who they were. Ospreay trash talks fans the entire time. And Omega has his New Japan theme and gets a massive ovation from the crowd. Osprey was warned earlier about his high chops to the throat. Each man countered a one-winged angel and an os cutter in the stalemate. There was a thumb to the eye and chops by Osprey, who played through the crowd and allowed Omega to hit a Hurricane Rana and a You Can't Escape. Osprey bailed and Omega wanted his Terminator dive, but Don hooked his leg and the security stepped in front of him. The referee ejected Callus as Osprey hit a slingshot dive and drove Omega knee first into the steps. So Don kicked out, told, no, you're going to get involved. No, you're not going to get involved. Go. And that, we thought, okay, now this match is going to get great. We get the Don bullshit out of the way. Like I knew there was going to be some Don interference, but we get it out of the way and we go on for the next, this was 10 minutes in, maybe five minutes in, 40 minutes. 35 minutes. The Don's gone. Back inside the ring, there was a spinning backbreaker that led to a delayed vertical suplex to keep Osprey in control. A fantastic-looking counter of Omega and a hip toss into a Cobra twist that led to a misdirect drop dropkick to the knee of Osprey, followed by a Kataru Crusher. Osprey exploded out with a wall, a wall walk in Zaguri, draped Omega on the top and hit a beautiful shooting star following Oscutter on the apron. Osprey wanted revenge for Omega driving his head through the table at Wrestle Kingdom. So, Osprey basically did the same thing, violently slamming Omega into it, busting him open in the process. He basically took the top of the announced desk, 
slanted it up against the ring and bah, just bashed Omega into it. Back inside the ring, Osprey was relentless. Basically, he got so he got Kenny's blood on his arm and he licks it. And the crowd chants, you sick fuck, you sick fuck, you sick fuck. And he looks out and goes, yes, I am. And I loved it. I ate that up. I ate that up. So at this point, the roles have been reversed from Wrestle Kingdom. At Wrestle Kingdom, it was Omega beating Osprey's ass, beating him, beating him, beating him. This time, it's Osprey beating Omega's ass. So basically, in both matches, it was the challenger was out battling the champion. Omega, the challenger at Wrestle Kingdom. Osprey, the challenger tonight for Vendor. So, Osprey connects with a V-trigger, then grabbed a Canadian flag and did his best Shawn Michaels from 97. He literally, I got a towel here, took that flag. Probably won't be able to see. Can I do it back here? Can I do it back? Can you see? Let me move the microphone. Let me move the microphone. Took the flag, stuck it between his and just wiped the flag on his ass-cracking balls. Um, this is all before Omega fired up with the Lariat, choking Osprey over the top with the flag. There's a running start. He had a running start for a V-trigger nearly that sent Omega himself over the barricade, leading to Omega slamming Osprey repeatedly headfirst into the steps, causing Osprey to bleed as well. Omega follows up with the DDT on the steps as back inside the ring, Omega tried a triangle choke, but Osprey powered up into a powerbomb. Both men traded a series of released German suplexes with Omega hitting a V-trigger, but Osprey answered back with a Spanish fly and got a two off of it. Osprey locked on a sharpshooter to a loud reaction from the crowd, but transitioned into a crossface. Omega got a, a rope break as Osprey delivered a, a Kuwata kick and chops until Omega tried to fire back, but had nothing behind his strikes. There's a violent thrust kick from Osprey who tried a home run, who tried a home run Oscutter, but was caught with a knee in midair. Snapdragon a plenty, knee strikes a plenty, poison ranas and spike pile drivers, all from Omega. Only got a two count. Omega then connected with the leg trap neck breaker and a V trigger. Um, he went up to the ro- up the ropes where Omega wanted an avalanche one winged angel, but Osprey escaped and hit a cheeky Nando's kick at the thirty minute call. We heard this match has passed. 30 minutes in commentary. Let us know. That's halfway because this match can go up to 60. Omega rolled outside where Osprey immediately hit a sky-twisting press. Back inside the ring, Osprey hit a springboard forearm to the back as Osprey wanted the hidden blade, but Omega ducked, tried to lariat, and Osprey floated over into a Liger Bomb. There's a top rope Oscutter that connected for a two as Omega countered a Stormbreaker into a Deadeye. Don Callis then came back out as referee Paul Turner just allowed it to happen. He kind of acknowledged it for a second, and Don was just like, uh, I'm not going to get involved. Osprey, watch out, Osprey, hey, hey, hey. And then he does get involved. Callus handed, um, so at one point, Callus handed Osprey the screwdriver, and Osprey clocked Omega with it before hitting the hidden blade, and a Stormbreaker for a two. Omega got a foot on the ropes. Osprey hit a V-trigger and a one-winged angel, but Omega 
kicked out at one, and the crowd erupted. Now, even before this, Don gets involved where Osprey's laying on the ropes, and Kenny's going to go for the V-trigger, but Don, like, shields him and puts his body over Osprey. And then that's how and where and when the um, referee kind of starts yelling at Don. Don distracts the ref. He hands him the screwdriver. Like, bullshit. Bull spit. Did not like it at all. So Osprey hits a V-trigger, which was a horribly shot V-trigger, because we literally see this. Like, we see the slow slap of the thigh, again, from Will Osprey. Like, the camera was right on it, so you would think, pow! Quick action. But for some reason, Osprey was slow there. I, I get it. They've been going 35 minutes. And we just see his hand just... Maybe a little faster than that, but it, we still just... We see the slap. It's not like most wrestlers when they hit that, that, that super kick and it's boom! And so their whole body kind of like that, so you don't really notice it. Well, this very obvious thigh slap. Very obvious thigh slap. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Brian Dane. We're going to talk about this here in a moment. We're going to talk about this here in a moment. Give me one second. Um, we may have some breaking news coming out of this pay-per-view. An injury is going to keep somebody out for months. Maybe why that main event. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. We're going to talk about this here in a moment. I'm going to finish this match first. We're almost done. So, he then goes for a one-winged angel, Osprey. And they're like, oh my god, one-winged angel. No one's ever kicked out of the one-winged angel. But Omega kicks out at one. Omega kicks out at one. Um, give me one second here. I'm just trying to confirm something. So, Omega kicks out of one, and this crowd in Toronto, one of the biggest pops you've heard in a very long time. When he kicked out of one, this place erupted like we were back at WrestleMania 18, and it was Rock and Hogan in, in Toronto. There was a slugfest that ensued with, ensued with Osprey hitting a, a hook, hook kick, but Omega answered with a brain buster. Osprey hit Crydo's wrath for a super close two. Both men countered each other's finishers as Osprey hit a ripcord hidden blade and a nasty Tiger Driver 91, followed by another hidden blade and a Stormbreaker to pick up the win and become the new IWGP heavyweight or United States heavyweight champion. So, Will Osprey. Gets his belt back. Now, again, I could go on for days why I hated the finish, why I didn't like it. I loved Kenny kicking out at one of the uh, one winged angel and all that, but yeah, yeah, I don't know about the whole Don stuff. That was just crap. You're not gonna. How are you gonna kick Don out? And then the same ref just stare at him and watch him and argue with him, but not kick him out again or call for somebody to come get Don. Like, I don't get it. Mr. Bangs, I wish I had a prize for you. 
I've got this haircut on Thursday. I've done two or three podcasts live since. You're the first person in the chat to say, hey, did you get a haircut? Yes, I chopped the mullet off. I'm going to grow it back out, but I'm going to grow it back out differently. So I just got to, I had to cut it all off. Yet, you're the first person to notice. Or at least to make mention. So, we've got some breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. But, but, but breaking news. Now, after the main event ended, I said, whoa. That kind of seemed abrupt. That kind of just felt like they went to the end and Okada tapped. Well, we may now know why. According to a tweet from Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, he tweets the following. Brian Danielson has, fra- has a fractured forearm. Six to eight weeks recovery. I wonder what that will do for blood and guts. Dave Meltzer then tweets out, Danielson suffered a fractured forearm. Ten minutes into the match. So that's really going to suck. Brian Danielson is going to be out for almost two months or so. But yeah, we'll see if we find out anything else about it. But how long did that match go? If he was injured 10 minutes in. Um, let me see. Ba, 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 ba. How long did that match go? Forbidden door. Let's go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is pretty... Accurate for the most part on times. That match went 27 minutes and 40 seconds. That means he went four, no, I'm an idiot, 17 minutes with a fractured arm. So yeah, maybe the arm just started hurting him so bad where he's like, we got to go to the finish. We got to go to the finish. But yeah, that really stinks. It was also confirmed, I want to say, by Danielson at the post-show press conference, it looks like, as Danielson's arm is in a cast. Danielson says he wants to wrestle Okada again and break his arm. Wow, this is crazy. This guy's just got over injuries. Now he's injured again. So as we move forward, we had the six-man tag team match, the trios match. It was Sting, Darby Allin, and Tetsuya Naito against Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru Suzuki. And really, yes, the big story was it's the first time Sting and Jericho have done anything in the ring together before. But really the story of this match was, oh, we're getting Sammy and Chris soon. We're getting Sammy and Chris soon. So, give me one last second. I'm getting another message about this Danielson stuff. Give me one second. Um, live podcasting, huh? Getting stuff on the fly. You got to react. You got to go with it. You got to boom, bang, bing. Give me one sec to respond to this text. Um, all right, 
Here we go. So Naito did his signature early stalling, but Guevara responded with his drop kick, kip up, and pose. Naito chucked Guevara to the floor and answered with a tranquilo pose. Both men turned on the speed briefly before Allen and Suzuki tagged in. Allen dared Suzuki to hit him. That was foolish as hell because Suzuki was happy to oblige to chance of murder, Grandpa! Murder, Grandpa! Allen nearly got a pin off of a rear naked choke before Sting made the tag and Jericho screamed for a tag. Suzuki reluctantly did, thus robbing us of a Sting-Suzuki face-off. That would have been great. I'd say Sting and Jericho isn't too bad of a face-off, though, as Suzuki attacked from behind and everybody brawled. Sting and Jericho slugged it out in the ring before Jericho mocked Sting's howl and ended it with a scorpion deathlock as a result. Guevara came flying in with a cutter off the top and really folded Sting up awkwardly. The Suzuki gods then did a super cool-looking trio pose thing. It was, it, was, it was an image to be seen, I guess you can say. Sting did fight back and tagged into Darby. Or tagged in Darby, who ran wild and hit a code red on Sammy for a two. Jericho distract, was distracted, or Jericho distracted long enough for Guevara to hit a top rope Spanish fly as both Allen and Guevara clocked, clonked heads into a double down spot. Naito and Jericho renewed their rivalry from a few years ago as Jericho countered Gloria into a sleeper as Jer uh, Guevara and Suzuki locked in sleepers of their own on Sting and Darby. <coughs> oh, that was weird. Everybody then spilled to the outside as Jericho pulled the pulled a table from under the ring, setting Sting setting Sting up. Jericho demanded Guevara put Sting through the table, and he reluctantly obliged with a 630 from the top rope to the floor through Sting on the table. So yeah, that was awkward. Where he's like telling him what to do because he's the boss and this and that. As they go forward, Naito got his knees up and avoided a lion salt, but Jericho countered Destino into a walls of Jericho. Singh then rose from the dead and sank in a scorpion deathlock in, until Suzuki appeared and trapped Sting in a rear naked choke. Naito broke it up, but ate a code breaker for a two. Suzuki and Naito went at it until Sting and, and Naito worked together to lead to a Naito roll-up on Suzuki for the win. Post-match, Jericho attacked Naito with his bat until Sting immediately made the save. But I think the big story in this match is the fact that um, Jericho and Sammy kind of had dissension with Jericho trying to play the boss, telling Sammy what to do. So good match. Not the best of matches. It was fun. It was there. I liked it. Um, my screen just froze. Hopefully, we're still live. Give me one second. Okay, here we go. We're back. We're back. We're good. That was weird. And then we go to our main event, where we just learned that 10 minutes in, Danielson fractured his forearm. Danielson is now going to be out of action six to eight weeks. Which really sucks. Which really sucks. As far as this match does go, 
We get the video package we've been seeing, but a little differently, more added to it. We're like Okada on Dynamite this week and so forth. And then we kind of hear... And we know exactly what this is. It's the final countdown. The final countdown. And I'm like, oh my, yes! They got the final countdown for Brian Danielson. Now, Danielson did a promo in the ring after the match, making it sound like this might have been a one time thing. This might have been a slight one time thing. He said something about he wanted to be able to hear the fans sing it one more time. So I don't know if this was just for tonight or if he's going to have it going forward. But we got the final countdown. The final countdown. Awesome. So awesome. So great. And you can see when Danielson's on the ropes, like doing his pose. And everyone's just yelling, the final countdown. He couldn't help but hold, like, he couldn't hold it in. The elation, the joy he had hearing that. All 14,000 people in that crowd just yelling, the final countdown. Yeah, it was great. Like, I loved it. I loved it. The final countdown. I could sing that all night. Then Okada came out. Epic entrance. Crowd loved him, and then the match ensued. Danielson escapes the grabs of Okada early and tried for a Romero special, but stomped on the knees instead. The match spilled to the outside, where Okada hit a big boot that sent Danielson into the crowd. Danielson anticipated the draping DDT and posted Okada. Danielson hit a running dropkick through the ropes and followed up with the drive, a diving knee off the apron. Danielson zoned in on the right shoulder of Okada, then opted for chops, which just woke up Okada as he no-sold them, leading to a huge flapjack. A big boot dropped Danielson as Okada hit a leaping corner splash and a DDT for a two. Danielson was placed in the corner, and Okada drop-kicked him to the outside, where Danielson reversed a whip into a railing. Danielson missed a charge into the corner, and Okada hit a charging crossbody over the barricade. His iconic move on the outside. Back inside the ring, Okada applied the money clip and turned it into a nasty air raid crash. Okada wanted an avalanche landslide, but Danielson fought out and hit a huge missile dropkick. Both men traded a long series of uppercuts and got more intense as it, got, as it went on, until Okada fired off a shotgun dropkick. Danielson answered with a released German suplex and hit a series of running boots in the corner. With a third, Okada answering with a perfect dropkick. Danielson ducked a rainmaker, but Okada hit another dropkick. Everyone used to always say that Randy Orton had the best extension of a draw on a dropkick. Okada's right there as well. Okada wanted a top rope elbow drop, but Danielson caught him with a disarmor into a Lavelle lock. Okada then used his height to get through the ropes, and Danielson hunted him to the floor. Danielson nearly dove into the clutches of the Rainmaker, but instead hit a charging drop kick and some yes kicks. Okada caught the home run shot and connected with a tombstone on the ramp. Okada then brought Danielson back into the ring, as this time Okada hit the top rope elbow and did his Rainmaker pose. Danielson went deadweight as referee Bryce called for the doctor in the ring. Danielson was convulsing. The doctor oddly just leaves, looks at him and goes, and walks off. As Okada tried to go to Danielson, who was playing possum, 
as he hit a Busaku knee into a double down spot. I wonder if at this point Danielson told the doctor and the ref, hey, I think my arm's broke. Because it was at this point. Danielson flipped out of a German suplex and hit another Busaku knee before opting to kick Okada's head in, trying to apply a label lock with one arm. Because that's really what he only had. He wasn't selling like we thought. He really only had one arm. He couldn't get it. So, he went for head kick. As Danielson did the yes kicks, but ran into an Okada drop kick, a landslide, and a rainmaker for a two. Both men ducked the finisher attempt as Danielson got the label lock applied. And despite really having only one arm, Kevin Kelly said Danielson's right arm is pretty much a passenger. But even at 60%, a label lock is better than nothing, which was a great line saying, hey, he's got one arm that's barely got any power in it. He's got the other arm, so maybe one arm's only got 10%. He's got 60%. That 60% of Danielson is better than most. Danielson then used his legs to wrap up Okada in such a way that looked wild, and Okada had no choice but to tap out, and the crowd kind of went dead for a second because the match just ended. It was just over, and I was sitting here, and I looked away for a second when he had the submission on, and I'm like, he's going to get out of it. He's going to get out. Whoa, he's tapping. He's tap. Oh, my God. It's over. It's just over. That's it. So that took me by surprise as well, the way it was just over. Same with that, that Sonata match. It just ended. This one probably because, well, Danielson probably couldn't go anymore with a broken fucking arm. So, yeah. Brian Danielson picks up the win. It doesn't quite win the war. He said in the post-match scrum where his arm was in a big old brace, I want to fight Okada again, but next time break his arm. And with that, guys, that was everything that took place tonight at AEW Cross NJPW Forbidden Door. And you guys know what I thought of the show. Now it's time to hear what you guys thought of tonight's show. I forgot the Twitch poll, but we got the other ones. Let's refresh all these polls. As far as the Twitter poll does go, 75% liked the show, 16% thought it was just all right, and 8% did not like it. Looking over at the YouTube community poll, 66% liked the show, 21% thought it was just all right, and 14% did not like it. As we move over to the YouTube live poll, 69% liked the show, 23% thought it was just all right, and 8% did not like it. Overall, well like show. It doesn't seem like the majority liked the show, but a good, more than half, a good portion of the fans did like this show. I thought it was a great show from start to finish for the most part. A couple things were kind of just like, meh, whatever, cool. But for the most part, I thought it was a great show. But with that, guys, that's going to do it for me here live tonight. I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, we'll be back live tomorrow morning for the wrestling wrap-up, bringing you all the news that comes out of tonight's show and so forth. And then we'll be back live tomorrow evening following Monday Night Raw. So with that, guys, have a great rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one, guys.